Once was a land of woe and strife Where the people were bereft of hope They prayed to their gods of might and light To deliver the heroes of old Instead they got Heroes, did you hear the quotes in my voice Of moral ambiguity? They may help or may not help you at all Depends on what's in it for them They kick and they punch and they maul and they smash They lie and they scheme and they burn and they slash Succeed or fail, it adds to the tale Dungeons and debacles starts now Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Dungeons and Debacles podcast. It's been a year since we started this campaign and we're entering season two. I want to thank you all for listening for this long. I thought this would be a good opportunity since we're in season two to give you some of the side story of what's going on outside of what the players are doing because the rest of this homebrew world keeps turning in the wake of our villains actions. This is also a good opportunity to catch you up on the story so far as Orin the Investigator and leader of the Real Companions fantasy trademark tells what he's learned so far of what our villains are up to. This is a scripted radio drama, and I brought along some of our players to help act out some of the characters. You will recognize John, who plays Lunados the Monk, and Blake, who plays Juliet the Dragonborn. I hope to do more of these in the future to better tell these stories going on outside of our roleplay sessions, and to give you better context of what's going on in the world in response to our Dark Companions actions. If you have any ideas or comments on this campaign, please let us know on our Facebook and Twitter. And without further ado, on to the show. It was a sunny day with few clouds on the Isle of Insight. The silvery tower gleamed bright and cast a long golden reflection on the square and buildings below. People were out strolling the streets as it was almost evening. The students of the tower were done with their classes for the day, and some were gathered here and there in the square around the tower, talking and laughing. A small halfling and a hulking silver dragonborn walked the square this day. They approached the tower and paused before the newly installed guards at the door to the tower. One was dwarven, the other human, dressed in chain mail and a silver tunic with the symbol of the tower upon their breast. They were both holding long silver spears and long swords at their side. It took only a moment for the two to realize who the two visitors were. They both bowed deeply and motioned for the duo to enter. This is new, the dragonborn said quizzically. Yes, it is. The halfling responded grimly. Good gentlemen, your posting here at the doors of the tower is unexpected. May I ask how long you've been assigned to this post and the reason? The dwarven guard on the right looked at the human for an answer before the other guard shrugged. The dwarf cleared his throat and half croaked. <clears throat> In just a few weeks. As to why, I do not know. We've been in rotation from our regular patrols in the city. We were not given a reason why, Master Companion. The halfling studied the dwarf for a long moment, and the guards began to look visibly uncomfortable. The dwarf shifted his feet and his spear from one hand to the other. Very well, and good day to you. 
and may you have a quiet and uneventful patrol, gentlemen. The halfling nodded for the dragonborn to follow, and the doors opened by themselves as they approached. The pair entered the lobby of the tower, and it was empty, which was strange. Usually there were merchants and petitioners waiting to be seen by someone, or at least that was the case in the dozen or so occasions they had been summoned to the tower. What do you think that was all about? The dragonborn said in a low voice, at least low for a huge dragonborn. I do not know. It also seems strange how empty the lobby is. It's as if the tower is not receiving and actively keeping people out. We shall learn more soon. Until then, I'm trying to keep my speculation to a minimum, but it doesn't bode well in the light of our urgent summons. Then they walked in silence to the elevator. They entered, and Orin, the investigator, said softly, Pinnacle Magnus Fortuna. They felt heavy for a moment as the elevator quickly rose. After a few minutes, they stopped at the topmost floor of the tower, the council senate floor. The doors opened, and they walked into a half-moon room clad from floor to ceiling in unrelieved black marble. The comfortable padded high chairs where ambassadors from powerful nations usually sat in waiting for their audience with the council were empty, except for a single elven mage sitting in a chair by the door. It seemed like business as usual was not usual this day. Even for an elf, this mage was old. He was balding, which is a sign of very old age in elves, but his features were still somewhat smooth, although his skin had taken on an ashen hue. He must have been at least 600 by Orin's estimation. Orin and Kull both stopped and bowed deeply to the mage. Kull spoke in a reverent tone. May this day find you well, Elder Mage. The mage bowed slightly in his chair and said, And you as well, companion Kull and Orin. Your presence is an honor. Grand Mage Forel awaits you. Go in peace. The honor is ours, Archmage. Orn bowed his head again and walked toward the door. The silver doors to the council senate were shaped like an arch. It was 10 feet wide and 15 feet tall, more than enough to accommodate almost any race of petitioner. Deeply inscribed into them was a message written in dozens of languages. Orn knew several languages and could identify dozens more. Here was written common, elvish, Dwarven, Halfling, and all the languages of the civilized races. What always struck him curious was there was also lesser and plainer languages written here as well. Goblin, Orcish, Undercommon, Celestial, and even Abyssal to name a few. He didn't need to be able to read all those languages to know what it said. In every language known to the sages of the tower it read. Knowledge sought, knowledge found, Knowledge earned, knowledge given. Enter with mind open and truth upon your tongue. It was much a welcome as a warning. Lies could not be told within this chamber because of an ancient enchantment. But that didn't mean that the truth could not be skirted by a quick wit. But the council was wise and could see through this. If you sought an audience with the council, you came prepared to answer tough, direct questions. 
Cull approached the door and pulled on the handle, swinging half of the wide door open. They entered, and Cull closed the door behind them. Instead of the full council, there was only one man, a tall, skinny human in blue robes embroidered in silver. He had a long gray beard that extended down past his waist. His hood was down, so his head, mostly bald, with wisps of silver around his ears, was exposed. He was seated in the middle of a semicircular bronze podium on a raised platform that was the Senate. There were seats here for the 11 members of the council, but he was the only one here this day. He was studying papers in front of him and without looking up, said, Just a moment, Master Companions. I am just finishing the last reports I have received, and they are important for our discussion. The man motioned with his skinny, pale hand for them to take a seat on the long velvet cushioned bench behind a long wood table in front of the council dais. Cull and Orrin took a seat and waited for the sage to finish. Orrin saw the man's brows lower in a scowl. After a few long moments, the sage gathered the papers into a stack and looked up. He feigned a smile. Ah, companions. I apologize for summoning you so urgently, but you will soon know the gravity of my call. I thank you for coming so quickly. There are only two of you. Are the others well? Yes, Grand Archmage Pharrell. They are well, but they are occupied with other urgent matters. I trust you've heard of the uprising of the Red Talons? We have recently revealed ourselves as the Vanguard. We have quashed a major cell in Kala we think was responsible for the theft of the Ring of Plains, and are currently rooting out a particularly troublesome cell calling themselves the Companions that I think are connected to the theft in Karn Lee. Your message was passed to us from the High Vanguard. She said the matter was dire. Luckily, we were in Karn Lee when we received the summons. So what is so urgent, Grand Archmage? We have noticed changes at the tower, which have raised our curiosity. Yes, it was most unusual to see gods at the entrance of the tower. Archmage Pharrell frowned. Ah, yes, I would not have taken the step to have the High Vanguard contact you if the situation weren't so disastrous. The guards were placed there to keep things in, rather than out. The mage then reached into a box on the desk and pulled out a large gold amulet encrusted with jewels. It glittered in the sunlight coming through the large glass windows around the chamber. The view up here was breathtaking. Uh, do you happen to know where this is? Warren looked at the mage strangely. Yes, that's the Amulet of Dominion. I wish that he were. As he tossed the amulet to the halfling, Warren caught the amulet in one hand and studied it. After a moment, he said, What do you mean? I've seen it once or twice, and this is it. The archmage scoffed. Ha! <laughs> do you think that novice that can't tell the difference between a powerful artifact and a trinket? A well-made and expensive trinket, but a fraud nevertheless. It holds no magic, and the size is wrong. Close, but wrong. I'll give it to you, but I wish to maintain the illusion that we still possess it. Warren's throat went dry, and he tried to swallow. He laid the trinket down on his lap. Who? 
Who knows about this? The Grand Archmage sat back in his chair. The rest of the council and Grand Researcher Grandis who discovered it and know you. There are suspicions and rumors of something wrong in the tower among the other mages and students, but nothing specific. Rumors are also spreading in the town that there is a political coup or something stolen, or even that a powerful red talent wizard was captured and is being imprisoned here. All those who know the truth have been sworn to secrecy. I will also require your vow that you will not discuss this outside of the companions and the high vanguard as necessary. I would not really require that vow to be magically bound, but I do not know of any persons more honorable or trustworthy than the companions. Do you vow to keep this among yourselves and require that the other companions make the same vow? I vow my life and honor, Grand Mage. I vow my life and honor, and may I never see the face of Bahamut should I falter, Grand Mage. The Grand Mage leaned forward and steepled his fingers in front of his face. I am sure you have questions I have not thought of, Master Warren. There was a long pause as the halfling gathered his thoughts. He was still reeling from the surprising and terrible news. Could this be the Red Talons? How could they have possibly pulled something like this off? He had been in the Citadel. As skilled and methodical as he was, there was no way he could even imagine pulling off such a heist. This was obviously an inside job, and the person who found it would be my prime suspect, Warren said. Has this Archmage Grindus been put to the question yet? Of course. Not investigators such as you, but we aren't complete nice. He was brought here and questioned. As you know, falsehoods cannot be spoken in this room. We even probed him for charms and gaze. Nothing. What was his story? You can ask him yourself. He is the earth that is sitting outside. Fetch him. Orrin stood up from the bench and crossed the room. He opened the door and saw the elder elf still sitting where they left him when they entered. Archmage Grandis, if it would please you, would you come inside for some questions? Orrin said, managing a smile. That's why I am here. Don't know what I can tell you that I haven't already told the council, though. Yes, of course, Archmage, but please indulge me. There may be questions they didn't think to ask, and recollections I can jar. Please, come inside. The elderly elf rose from the chair, somewhat unsteady. May I aid you, Archmage? No, I'll be alright. Just been sitting too long. The elf gathered himself and stood up straight. He walked into the room with as much regalness as any king or queen of Suel. Warren closed the door behind him, and the elf strode past the bench and stopped before the dais. The elf spread his arms wide and bowed deeply to the Grand Mage. He straightened, cleared his throat, and spoke. I have been summoned, and here I stand. I am Grednus Sarathal, Arch Enchanter and Head Magical Researcher of the Tower of Insight. No word I can speak in this room is false. My loyalties are to the Tower of Insight and my god, Corellin Larethian, and no others. I am under no influence of a charm or geese. Knowledge sought, knowledge found, knowledge earned, knowledge given, I enter with mind open and truth upon my tongue as is our creed. 
ask your questions and know the answer true. Grand Mage Pharrell cracked a smile and chuckled a bit. Ah, thank you, Grand Mage, but you don't have to put on such a show. Please, have a seat. <laughs> I'll stand if you don't mind. I've been sitting long enough waiting outside. It's a good thing I brought a book. <laughs> As you wish, old friend. Grinda smiled and turned to Orn, who was now seated on the bench. So, what do you want to know? If you would indulge me, Archmage, please walk me through how you discovered the amulet was missing. If you would, please. The Elder Elf paused for a moment, gathering his thoughts. Well, it was a morning like any other. I awoke and bathed, combed my hair, and had a breakfast of fruit and porridge. I got dressed and cast prestidigitation to remove any wrinkles or stains from my robe, and I... <clears throat> Forgive me, Archmage. Can you please skip ahead to where you exited the elevator to the hallway of the Citadel? Oh, yes, of course. I am a man of habit, but I digress. I do not wish to waste your time. I exited the elevator and approached the wards. I detected magic before disabling the protection wards and was surprised to find nothing. The wards had already been disabled. No other researchers had been authorized to enter the Citadel this day, as I wanted to be left alone to study a recently acquired Ring of Inaudibility, which allows the user to be unheard as if by a highly localized silence spell that doesn't affect spellcasting. <clears throat> this time, it was Grand Mage Pharrell that cleared his throat. The elf paused for a moment, realizing he was digressing again. Uh, as I was saying, the wards were disabled, and I saw the door to the citadel was ajar. I entered the citadel and walked around and saw no one inside. I proceeded to the research room and did not see anyone there either. I became upset that any researcher would be so careless as to not reactivate the wards when they entered and left the door open. It was more for the breach of protocol than anything else. I run a methodical and tight operation, you see. The golems in the hall before the citadel had not been activated, so I knew that nothing had been taken, but something still bothered me about the whole situation. I looked around the citadel to make sure everything was in its place and nothing appeared to be missing. Something still bothered me again. I deactivated the anti-magic field within the citadel itself. Only I and the council know that secret. I detected magic in the room and there, on the pedestal that hold the most powerful artifact, the Amulet of Dominion, was a dark spot. I approached and saw this item, which would have eclipsed the rest of the items in the room with its magical brilliance, was dull and ordinary. I inspected it and found it was just a necklace. I was shocked and checked it several times, but nothing. It was just a necklace. I removed it from its case, reactivated the anti-magic field, exited the citadel, and reset the protective wards. I then went immediately to Grand Mage Forel and told him of my discovery. There was a moment of silence in the room 
as everyone made sure that the Archmage Grendis had finished his story. Thank you, Archmage Grendis, for your recounting. I will now ask you some questions, if it pleases you. I apologize if they seem blunt, as I'm not a man of pretty words. Yes, I understand. Ask. Did you take the Amulet of Dominion? No, of course not. Are you aware of anyone who may have taken it? No, there's no one really that could have removed it. Do you suspect anyone who is presently or in the past had access to the Citadel who may have taken it? No, I do not. Have you been listening, boy? Yes, of course. But please understand, Archmage, I have to ask. As head researcher, have other researchers taken items from the Citadel without first consulting you? No, they have not. That would be inexcusable and grounds for revocation of their research privileges. Orn thought for a moment before asking his next question. Who currently has the knowledge to enter and exit the Citadel with a magical item? That is quite a few people. The Council, myself, most of the two dozen or so researchers, and a few others. Could you make me a list? Yes, of course. May I? Grindus motioned to the quill, ink, and paper in front of Grand Mage Pharrell. Uh, yes, of course. Grindus approached the dais and took the quill and paper. He wrote for about five minutes, then stopped. He gathered his thoughts and began writing again. After another five minutes, he stopped and picked up the paper and studied it for a moment. These are all those living that have the knowledge to enter the citadel and remove an item. Archmage Grindus handed the paper to Orin. The other occupants of the room were silent as the halfling studied the list for about five minutes, but it seemed like an eternity for the others in the room. I count 42 names on this list. How many are currently in the tower? The elder elf held out his hand for the paper. The halfling handed it back to the archmage, and he studied the list for a few minutes. All but one is presently in the tower, to the best of my knowledge. Orn frowned and wiped his face. He had started to sweat. Is this person Archmage Steph Halligrun? Archmage Grindus looked surprised. Yes, how did you know? I know because she was found murdered in a back alley in West Carnley, along with a little girl. I investigated their murders myself. She was stabbed through the back and out through her heart, and the little girl's throat was slit. It was obvious they were killed somewhere else, and their bodies disposed of there, made to look like a robbery on the bad side of town. Do you know of any dealings she may have had with any unsavory characters? None that I know of, but I was hardly her friend or biographer. Orin thought for a moment. I think we may be onto something here. Have all the other people with access to the Citadel been questioned and their rooms searched? Yes, that is one of the first things we did. We did not ask them specifically about the amulet, but we did ask them all if they had taken anything from the Citadel, which will have sufficed for our questions without giving away that the amulet had been stolen. Yes, of course, but I had to ask. 
this Archmage Steph. Tell me what you know of her. I really don't know much about her. She didn't really have friends here that I knew of. She was a serious student. She kept to herself. I maybe had less than a dozen conversations with her. The only family she spoke of was her niece in the few conversations I did have with her outside of magical studies. You said she's been out of the tower. How long do you think? The past year, I think? I haven't really thought about it, but that seems right. Do you know of anyone here she trusts? Who were her friends? None that I can recall, but as I said, I don't really know her. Huh. Is it still an Archmage's right to recommend prospects to the tower? <laughs> yes, that is correct, but do you think a novice could possibly have gained access to the Citadel? I don't know, but when you've eliminated all possibilities, except for the impossible, you have to consider the impossible. Who would have the information on the novices admitted within, let's say, the past year? Hey, that would be the Dean of Novices, uh, Archmage Sirius Jorin. Would you please summon him and his ledgers of enrollment? Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> we are at your disposal. However, I will have to forestall any line of questioning that would hint that the amulet is the target of your investigation. I may have to skirt it, but I will be careful. This investigation won't be as clean as you would like, I'm afraid. Do you trust me? Yes, of course I do, Warren. I, I was just cautioning you. Greatness. Will you please have your insolvent? I am no errand boy, Forel. Oh, don't be difficult, Grandis. Have a page sent. You don't have to do it yourself. Archmage Grindus turned and began to walk to the door when Orin spoke. Archmage, I may need to talk to you later. Please do not leave the tower until my investigation here is complete. Uh, it's not like I have a job or research to do, but yes. I will make myself available to you as best I can, considering the circumstance. Thank you, Archmage. I would appreciate that. You may go. Grinda scoffed at being dismissed. Uh, I will have Jurin fetched. Good day to you both, and good hunting. The Elder Elf sounded a little offended. He moved to the side of the dais so he could see all those in the room, and gave a deep, almost mocking bow. He rose and exited the room, closing the door behind him. Orin turned and made sure Grindus was out of the room before turning to Cull, who just shrugged his massive shoulders. The halfling then turned and looked to Grand Mage Pharrell with one raised, questioning eyebrow. The universal sign for, what was that about? Uh, Grindus can be something of a trial if he thinks that he is being asked to do something beneath his station. You should have heard him when we asked him to be the tower's chief historian. I could not get him to see that he was the oldest living mage at the tower by far, and actually witnessed some of the events the other historians were trying to piece together. But I digress. It may be some minutes before Yorin joins us. Is there anything I can do to make you more comfortable? Uh, wine, perhaps? At that, Call broke his silence. Yes, I would have it, if you please. None for me, but some water if you would. Pharrell waved his hand 
and two goblets materialized before the companions on the table. The two reached for their goblets, and Cull drank deeply of his wine. Orn sipped the water once, and lowered it to his lap. So, if I may ask, since we are waiting, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, you mentioned a murder investigation in Carnley. Orn grimaced. Nasty business there, and nasty business in Kala, from whence we came prior. Now, I will require your vow, Pharrell. Do you vow to not disclose what I'm about to tell you about our investigation outside of our cabal? Yes, as you say, Orn. I will hold your investigation in confidence, at least any part that is not germane to our own investigation. I reserve the right to share information that is relevant to my current investigation with those already sworn to secrecy. Uh, that is to say, within the council, if it pleases you. Orn considered for a moment and said, Yes, those terms are acceptable. Cull gave Orin a questioning look. Always so suspicious, Cull. That's why I like you. All this will be a bard's tell someday anyway. <sighs> Cull snorted as he crossed his arms and sat back on the bench. Orin chuckled and looked to Forel. As you know, the Ring of Plains was stolen. When we heard the rumors, we immediately set forth to investigate. When we reached Kala, we learned that the mayor as you know, a distant descendant of one of the saviors and protector of the ring had been murdered along with his wife. It turns out the ring had been stolen by a guard assigned to his mansion. As it also turns out, the guard and his mother were being blackmailed by the Red Talons and a Talon enforcer known as Sish, who is now in possession of it. Grand Mage Pharrell raised an eyebrow. How did you come by this information? Through a very strange, but believable source. A peaceful barbarian, of all people, if you can believe that. You see, there were two town guards and a group of adventurers that fought off a cobalt attack in the city. One of those adventurers was the Beast Folk, who went by the name of Vito. The attack was apparently used to cover up some loose ends left behind by Sish namely the guard who was being imprisoned and interrogated. He says he knows this because the group, who called themselves the Companions, can you, can you believe that? Well, they were tasked with covertly entering the borders of Lascaine to track down the ring. As you know, Lascaine and Kala aren't exactly unfriendly, but Kala agents operating there without charter could be problematic and they weren't about to reveal to anyone that the ring had been stolen. Turns out the guard had sent the ring to his mother, and she hid it in a shrine to the Raven Queen in the Witching Woods. They were able to recover the ring, but were confronted soon by Sish and some Red Talon assassins. Orin took a long drink from his goblet. And this is where the story goes sideways. Sish had some sort of magic that froze these imposter companions in place, and proceeded to make his case. He promised them gold and places of power in the Red Talons. When the spell wore off, a bard by the name of Alexander and one of the town guard, a red dragonborn by the name of Juliet Starstorm, took Sitch's deal. Duggan, a priest of Arathus, Orin paused for a moment. I will speak more of the priesthood in Kala in a bit. A warlock by the name of Amonity and Tivit, 
a guard of Kala, an adopted son of the priest Duggan, did not take that deal. The beast folk Vito said he didn't side with either and fled. He returned to Kala to tell the story, which we now know that Alexander and Juliet betrayed the rest of the party and helped Sish murder them. Then they gave the ring to Sish. Grand Mage Pharrell shifted uncomfortably in his seat. Alexander and Juliet had the gall to return to Kala to lie about their failure in obtaining the ring. Little did they know that the Beast Folk had already returned to the city. They were detained after they reported back to the captain of the guard. But before they could be interrogated, they escaped after a group of Red Talons assaulted the jail. The captain went to interrogate the Beast Folk, who was their guest, but he too had slipped away. He's being sought right now, but has not, as of yet, been found. Warren took another long drink from his water and tapped the goblet to tell the mage it was empty. Pharrell took a moment before it registered to him and waved his hand, and Orin watched as the goblet filled again with clean, cool water. Please to continue, Master Orin. I would hear more. Orin took another sip and cleared his throat. <clears throat> we were able to trace their movements back to a disgusting palm peddler who was the head of the Red Talon cell in Kala. We were able to gather as much as he knew about what happened, as well as the identities of the other Red Talons in the city. They were publicly executed, and we made ourselves known as the Vanguard. We are currently tracking this ex-guard and bard, as well as a Mull Hellsport paladin, a middle-aged woman druid, and an elven monk of ruin. At the mention of Hellsworn, Pharrell spits on the ground <coughs> and makes a ward against evil with his hands. <laughs> I know, right? Hellsworn are the worst and even worse when working with Red Talons. Anyway, based on the information from the Talon leader in Kala, we came to Karn Lee, as we'd learned that was where the group was heading. We interrogated a shitty, drunken halfling bard who was working with the Talons. We didn't get much out of him, except learning that the group we were following was in the city. The Talons, as you may know, are very secretive and sectioned into cells. We thought the trail had gone cold, and we're staying in the city when we learned of the murder of an archmage of the tower and a little girl. I was there, so I investigated, but didn't think for a second they were connected to these talons until now. And that is speculation, and I don't have anything to back it up. But still, it's curious. With that, Orin fell silent. Pharrell waited a moment and leaned forward. You spoke of the Arathas priesthood, but uh, did not return to the topic. Uh, what happened? Orin took another long drink of his water. Dark, dark business that was. The Temple of Arathis in Kala is no more. It was burnt to the ground along with the High Priest, most of the priests, and the Paladins. The Red Talon leader told us the group we were tracking destroyed it as a test of their resolve. The whole temple? They were capable of that? We aren't dealing with amateurs. They have real power, resolve, and know-how. That's why we've focused our attention to them. Not to mention that it appears that they have leads on the artifacts of the saviors and are bent on gathering them. 
for what purpose, we do not know. Forel sat back in his chair, visibly shaken. Cole scoffed and said, I know why. They're trying to bring back Ruin and trying to eliminate the very things that banished her in the first place. Orin motioned for Cull to be quiet. What? You don't think that's what's going on? Are you blind, Orin? That may very well be, but most of the artifacts are well protected or even lost. The Savers made sure they permanently banished her, and that's good enough for me for now, Cull. As Orin finished, the doors of the Senate swung open. A tiefling looked into the room and proceeded to the center of the chamber. He approached the table in front of the companions and placed four large ledgers on the desk. He turned and approached the dais and swung his arms wide and bowed. I am Cyrus Jaren, Dean of Novices at the Tower of Insight. I have been summoned and here I stand. No word can I speak here is untrue. Ask and be answered. Knowledge sought, knowledge found, knowledge earned, knowledge given. I enter with my mind open and truth upon my tongue. The tiefling rose and stood straight, with his head held high, looking at the Grand Mage. Thank you for coming on such short notice, Akmage. Uh, we are investigating an eternal matter and have some questions for you. The tiefling straightened even further and formally said, Ask and be answered, Grand Mage. I will defer the questions to our guests. I trust you know companions Orin and Kul. Jurin turned to look at Orin and Kull and bowed deeply. I know them by reputation only, as most do, and have not had the pleasure of a formal introduction. Welcome to the tower, honored guests. I am at your service. Orin stood from his seat and bowed to the tiefling, best to return the favor of formality. Cull remained in his seat, studying the mage. Orin sat again and took another sip of water and gave the dragonborn the side-eye. Cull rolled his eyes at the halfling. Archmage Jurin, I know your time is very valuable, and I do not wish to keep you long. Dean Jurin will suffice, honored companion. What exactly is this about? Orin paused a moment. I am not exactly at liberty to say, Orin said carefully, remembering that he could not lie in this chamber. However, I do need your knowledge. Is that enough? Dean Jurin looked at Orin for a moment, and then looked at the Grand Archmage Pharrell. Pharrell nodded to Jurin, and the tiefling looked back at the halfling, somewhat exasperated. Very well. Ask, and I will answer to the best of my knowledge. Thank you, Dean Jurin. As a Dean of the Students of the Tower, have you noticed anything unusual lately? That is a strange question. What is usual in the Tower of Insight? You are obviously trying to obfuscate, but you will have to be more specific, Master Companion. Let me rephrase. Have you noticed anything outside the norm of dealing with incoming classes? Jurin thought for a moment. Not really. Just the usual cadre of privileged, entitled children that think they know it all. A few quit, 
few are expelled, but nothing unusual. Orn paused after his answer, thinking about how to phrase the next question. Tell me, Dean Jurin, do you know the Archmage Steph Halligren? Yes, I know her. Not well, but I know who she is. Do you know if she endorsed or sponsored any students to the tower recently? I do not. May I consult my ledgers? Please do. Dean Jurin went to the desk in front of the companions and picked up a brown leather ledger. He began to leaf through it and came to a page of apparent interest. He studied it for a moment. Yes. It appears that she sponsored two students to the tower two months ago. They were Fennel Hatch of Dornmoth and Yorish Redskill of Dornmoth. Where are these students now? May I speak to them? <laughs> I'm afraid that isn't possible. May I ask why? Because I do not know where they are. Both were expelled two weeks ago for pranks in orchestrating a party that took up the area surrounding the tower and resulted in multiple thefts and assaults. No great loss, really. They seemed to have some skill, but they were wealthy fops with no discipline. Only the Dragonborn seemed to be somewhat serious about her studies, according to her instructor. Did you say Dragonborn? Was this student a red? Yes. How did you know? Orton cut the wizard off. And this other student, was he a human? Dean Jurin looked suspicious, as if he was missing something that should have been obvious, that he was not comprehending. Yes, a man with some body talent, according to some of the rumors from some of the students after he was expelled. Orin sat back in his chair and rubbed his eyes. Tell me, Dean Jurin, did they have an entourage? Perhaps a mull, an elf, and a middle-aged woman? The tiefling looked even more confused. A mull and an elf eye, but no woman. They had a little girl for a handmaiden. May I ask what this is all about? You seem to already know. Orin cut the archmage off again. Thank you, Dean Jurin, that will be all. I thank you for your time. I'm sure you have other pressing matters to attend. The dean looked confused and a little put off. He began to say something before he paused, thought a moment, and said, As you wish, Companion Orin. I hope I have been useful to your inquiry. I shall now take my leave. The tiefling bowed slightly to the halfling, and then again deeply to the Grand Archmage on the dais. He rose and gathered his ledgers, and began to exit the Senate, but not before hesitating in trying to read the room. He got nothing but a stare from the wizard. He closed the doors to the Senate, and Orin cursed. God damn it! He emptied his cup of water and raised it to the Grand Archmage, and said, Wine, if you would, please. The mage gestured, and Orin's cup filled with dark wine. Orin finished the cup in three long swallows. Again, please, if you would. The mage hesitated and looked concerned before he gestured again. This time, Orin took a long swallow and tried to compose himself from his anger. There are talents you are chasing? Yes, 
and they stole your amulet. Obviously, they were helped by Archmage Steph to get into the Citadel, and she was killed for her trouble. The question is, who's pulling the strings? It's obvious that it was someone in Karn Lee, but who? Once we learn that, then we can anticipate their next move. It's obvious now they're gathering the Savior artifacts, but information is too limited to guess their next move, at least on this continent. Only rumors of where they may be, except for one. Bonebreaker's Girdle. Yes, Bonebreaker's Girdle. No offense to the tower, but breaking into the Citadel and getting through a nation of pissed off avarks, if the rumors are true in the north, are two different things. The Citadel is one of the most heavily protected rooms in Al Sulel, but Yes, I do mind your point, Master Cool. The rumors you have heard are true. There is trouble between the Haforks and Ashfell. Our ambassador Archmage Darren says it has been instigated by our talents to store up trouble. She is currently trying to arrange a ceasing in hostilities, but it seems the Haforks are eager to fight. Of course they are. That's what they do. So there is where you must go, Cull. Broker a peace and protect the girdle. I will return to Karn Lee to find out who has been financing these imposter companions. If I may impose, Pharrell, is it possible for, say, half a dozen acolytes to accompany Cull? Uh, of course. You may have whatever resources you need. <sighs> Fine. But I need battle mages, not diplomats or scholars, evokers and abjuries who won't themselves at the first sight of steel. Of course. I will select them myself, Master Cool. Orin stood and said, That's settled then. Grand Archmage, if I could impose, time is of the essence. Would it be possible to have one of your mages teleport me back to Karn Lee? I know it's taxing on them, but I must begin my investigation in the city as soon as possible. That will be no problem. I will do it myself. Uh, if you would follow me to the circle. Orin nodded and walked to Cull, who was now standing. More towering over the half-elf than standing, really. Keep me apprised of any developments through the Sending Stones. I will be in contact with the others as well. Cull put his hand on the halfling's shoulder and said, I won't be sending you messages about what I had for dinner or how pretty the mountains are, but I will let you know how the parley with the half-orcs and Ashfell goes. If I see these imposter companions, I will let you know how they died. <laughs> of course. Safe journey, my friend. Safe journey to you, and good hunting. And with that, the trio exited the Senate chamber on their separate missions. Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. If I could ask a pixie-sized favor, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. If you like this podcast, it can help us more than any other support you could give us. It helps get us in front of more people. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. Now, I get you what they owe? Has a magical pestilence destroyed your farm and family through no fault of your own? I'm Hamish the Hammer, and I can get you the gold you deserve. 
A wizard unleashed a spell that blotted my crops and my family starved to death. The hammer got me the goal to rebuild my life. I have a new wife, a milk cow, and even a pig. Thank you, Hamish. Going to the town god or petitioning the leader of your village takes too long when you need gold now. My professional team of negotiators gets to the root of the problem and persuades them to do the right thing. I don't get paid unless you do. Send a raven with a message about your problem to Luskane, care of Hamish the Hammer, for a free consultation. The Hammer gets you what they owe. The music you heard on this episode was Intrepid, Water Prelude, Temple of the Mains, Rites, and Private Reflection by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. CreativeCommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.